Hello, everybody, and welcome to Citizen Dame, the podcast where we ask very important questions. Um, I am Lauren Humphreys Brooks, and with me, as always, is Karen Peterson. Hello, Karen. Hello. And I have one question for you, Karen. Just one. Yes. Just, this is the only okay. question I'm going to ask. All right. Which of the Pickwick triplets did it? That's a that's a really great question lauren i mean penelope and pink sure is making quite a stink <laughs> i wish i could remember all the lyrics <laughs> I, uh, just like, I might have them pulled up on my Pat- screen right i now. think patrick <laughs> comes next is yes it's uh, penelope and, and pink and then pat uh, let's see preening patrick is pernicious with an appetite so vicious he would bite the hand that feeds him with a sneer <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah paco so they named their triplets penelope patrick and paco it's an interesting interesting mix of of names there definitely it is it is <laughs> yeah i'm assuming pat paco is a family name <laughs> i hope so i hope so yeah because it seems like it's just like kind of the odd one out there paco uh, pickwick paco pickwick <laughs> Patrick Pickwick, like that yeah. is Penelope is actually one of the best, one of the yeah, better names works. there. Like, yeah, <laughs> Patrick Pickwick, Jesus, no wonder Paco these kids. Pickwick, no wonder these that. kids were like, were were like, hey, maybe we'll kill our mom. Yeah, <laughs> you she know. gave us these names. She's yeah. gone. Exactly. <laughs> um, for anyone who has no idea what we're talking about, uh, the most recent episode of Only Murders in the Building um, involves Steve Martin. Finally getting to do the full patter song of uh, which of the Pickwick triplets did it. And even if you do not watch Only Murders in the Building, watch the clip on YouTube because it's hilarious. And I I swear, this is this moment where I feel like Steve Martin was like, you have to let me do this. You have to let me go. Like, let me do this entire song. Mm-hmm. I um, love in that scene watching the background actors because the way like there's this one particular girl who's supposed to be a girl that's in the cast of this show that they're putting on and her reaction it's like that's natural like she's really reacting to steve martin doing that <laughs> and it's like she is us she is all of us uh-huh. <laughs> love it uh-huh well and i actually I, showed I... that clip to a couple people yesterday and they were like i am going to watch the show this weekend <laughs> It's well, and and Steve Martin, who's been around forever, right, and has done musicals, like, and was was famously in Little Shop of Horrors, um, and and yeah, you just like as soon as they begin introducing that, just like you gotta let him go, just let him go, <laughs> mm-hmm. let him do it, and he did it, he did the thing, and it's been like the biggest song of the week. <laughs> it's great, and uh, and I did in my my fever post vaccine. <laughs> 
I was lying away just like, but which of the Pickwick triplets did it? Like it was just running through my head. And the problem is I don't know all the lyrics. I only know the first verse really. Um, and then little bits and pieces from the other verses. I'm going to have to learn the entire song just to be able to go through it all. I've been working on it because I want to learn it. <laughs> it's so good. It's it's hard. There's some, because like it also changes rhythm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it like it slows down, it speeds up. It's really, it's really impressive. Well, yeah. Was, yeah. Anyways, um, so from the ridiculous to the, the terrible. <laughs> uh, before we get started on our actual topic, which we did not plan this, I'm just gonna say we did not plan for these particular stories to all come out at the same time that we were doing an episode about kindergarten movies. Um, yeah. but somehow this this has happened. So just to give to excuse us, we did not intend to to be talking about this this week. Um, before we start, these stories were not supposed to be part of the theme. Yeah. Uh, so before so before we go into the the films that we want to talk about, um, we do have garbage people to discuss. I think that we cursed ourselves at mm-hmm. some level because we said a couple of weeks ago, oh, it's it's been great. We haven't had to do that many garbage people. And then 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 bam, the the first one, this is not a, a terrible surprise. And I feel like there have been allegations kind of revolving around this guy for some time. Um, but Russell Brand has been accused of rape, sexual assault and emotional abuse over a seven year period by, I think, four different women mm-hmm. uh one of whom said that they started a relationship with she, when she was 16 years old and he was 31 which is not okay is many kinds of illegal um it's the whole thing is is very upsetting well I'll, I'll link the uh the guardian article that kind of breaks all of this down it's not surprising unfortunately given brand's public persona and given some of the things that he has said uh publicly about women about sex about you know and and he's always been kind of excused because he is one of those figures who is supposed to be extreme right you're like oh isn't that that's just kind of his his on on on-screen persona and quite obviously there's a lot of darkness underneath that and um and the these women have very legitimate accusations uh, Brand and his lawyers are, of course, denying all of this, saying, oh, this is very upsetting, uh, the, but this none of this is true, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. So Russell Brand has been accused of quite a, a litany of terrible shit, basically. Yeah. Uh, he has claimed that the... Um, that the, all the relationships that he has had were always consensual. The women are saying that, no, a lot of this stuff that they, and some of them, they were in initially consensual relationships, but the things that he did were not consensual. And that's, and that's one of the things that in a lot of these conversations, I think we get muddled is that being in a sexual relationship with someone does not mean that they just get to do whatever they want to at any time. That's right. not how it works. And I think that we begin to get muddled, particularly when it comes to um, when it comes to, to heterosexual relationships in particular, that this whole idea of, uh, you know, for a long time, you could not accuse a husband of rape because basically there was this attitude that, well, the husband owns the wife. He has a right to the wife's body. That's not how it works. 
that's not how relationships work. And there's been a lot of muddling of that. And, and it certainly seems like some of the reporting um, around brand and some of the reporting around a lot of the Me Too stuff is exactly that. It's like, well, she was in a relationship with him. It's like, yeah, that doesn't mean he gets to do whatever he wants to. Yeah. I think there's even some kind of some states that uh, still don't even recognize rape between yeah. married people. But uh, one of the things that makes this an extra layer of of awful is this underage relationship that he was in. There's no consent there. I mean, even if she is over like the legal age of consent, she's 16 years old. Like that just makes it extra, you know extra bad it's all bad but that's just another level of just oh yeah and i'm Mm -hmm. really glad to see that there were as soon as the the story came out it was it was a kind of a joint investigation between a couple of different outlets and as soon as this came out uh he started to lose um jobs as a result so i'm glad that there were some immediate Mm -hmm. consequences I mean, not that immediate because these cases are all a few years old, but, you know. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, you've also got a a number of like some of the women who are talking about the issues that that then result in as a part of their career, because this is a famous person. Right. Mm -hmm. This is a famous man. um, And that some of the arguments are, are essentially that everybody within the entertainment industry in Britain knows about him like knows that he is that he is like this um and that it it was quote an open secret in radio and tv production and uh and that it was difficult then for some of these women to continue to get jobs within the industry to be worried about whether or not they would be able to get jobs if they accused him um all of that shit and it's you know i i do think that we we tend to get down i think a little bit on on me too because there have been some of these men who have gotten away with it essentially but the fact that women are feeling more comfortable and more able to come out and actually talk about this, whether or not it results in like actual criminal prosecutions or criminal indictments, it does mean that like the culture of the industry is changing and that I, I hope that men like Brand are scared. Mm-hmm. I've said this before, that it's a good thing if these men are scared, if they're not doing things because they realize that they actually could get caught, they could lose their jobs, et cetera, et cetera. And that women are actually comfortable coming out and talking about this and and warning other people as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and uh I think, you know, I, th- I think this does signal also a shift, like seeing that there's this swift, um, swift action now. Um even though this was all happening in a time when that wasn't as common, um, I think that's one of the the biggest signals that things are changing. Um, and it, we're not going to completely be able to root out this problem in the industry of of these open secrets until people decide that someone like Russell Brand doesn't like he doesn't need to be the one that you make money off of. You know, people's safety needs to come before a guy like him. Like, what does he offer that someone else couldn't do and probably better with less assault? You know, mm-hmm. exactly. exactly. And so, so we- until we get to a point where we care more about safety of people than about protecting folks, even when they're exceptionally good at what they do, uh, until we care more about 
about the people that are affected, then this is still going to be a problem. But I'm but there is some hope seeing that that there is a shift. And now we are we do see we do see consequences. It'll it'll remain to be seen if he stays, you know, out of the spotlight or if he's able to worm his way back in. Mm hmm. Uh, so we will link that article. Uh, it is it is disturbing. Um, there are some things. It's not fully fully described everything that happens, but there are definitely some trigger warnings there. Um, yeah. But we'll also link that just just to to for people to be able to kind of go through the accusations uh, against Russell Brand. It reminded me actually the other day that now there are two horrible people who were involved with Death on the Nile. <laughs> Mm-hmm. um rewat like I, I i went to see a haunting in venice and uh and i was sitting there going like huh no one on this particular film has been outed as a terrible human being and possible criminal yeah. i hope <laughs> not so far as i know is her fingers crossed <laughs> yeah no i yeah i think I think we're I I think that's maybe that's part of what well we'll talk we're gonna do a bonus episode on haunting in Venice yes. and we'll talk about it more there but maybe that's why this movie worked better yes maybe so <laughs> no no actual criminals yeah <laughs> so again Karen before we move on to our our topic there was there was something else that you wanted to address about another garbage human being oh. um who has been recently exposed so did you want to talk about that. Oh, exposed is the wrong word there. But anyway. <laughs> uh, it's so difficult for, to talk about this. It really is. It really is. I was just teasing you. But uh, yeah, so um, this is a story that I have followed for a really long time. Anybody who who considered or did go to see the movie Sound of Freedom this summer probably saw a movie with Jim Caviezel playing this guy, Tim Ballard, who started Operation Underground Railroad road which is a whole thing in itself um and like got to see this hero in action saving children bravely from from child sex trafficking uh which is a very serious thing that happens in the world and it's something that we we should care about but operation underground railroad has been a questionable uh organization for a long time I first heard about it in like 2016, 2017, something like that. And immediately I had some questions, something just didn't sit right. But, you know, he would come on like news shows and stuff and just tell these, these big, grand, glorious stories about, you know, these raids where they would go in and rescue children out of these horrible situations and put them into, you know, aftercare programs and things. And well, the, the uh, earlier in the summer when Sound of Freedom the movie about him came out um it became supposedly a big hit movie but there was a lot of uh, a lot of questions about that because people would get it like manage to snag a ticket to a sold out show and then get there and there'd be like nobody in the audience um but then there were other screenings that were actually packed so it was really hard to know what was really going on but a lot of people did see this movie and it became sort of this if you didn't then obviously you didn't care about human trafficking it was a whole thing but uh what happened this the uh t- so this story has been unraveling for the past like week and a half two weeks where first tim ballard who is a member of the latter-day saint church um, and I believe he lives in Utah and there's rumors that he's he's poised to 
run for the seat Mitt Romney is is leaving at the end of his term. So Mitt Romney's not running for re-election. Tim Ballard is considering running for that spot. And the the Mormon church actually came out and condemned him for morally unacceptable activity. They didn't say what those activities were. And there's been a string of vice articles that have kind of outlined some of the things that he's done. Well, the biggest thing that happened this week is this guy who's been going in and saving children in these daring rescues from sex trafficking has uh, actually been, you know, harassing women and possibly committing some assaults himself. And um, one of the things that he's done, this has been a pretty big um a pretty big issue that went into a big investigation earlier this year and led to him being pushed out of, of the organization he started. And one of the things that, that he was doing was he would go into these, these countries um, to pose as a buyer for children. And that was kind of one of the ways that he would rescue them. Well, he oftentimes would bring in someone who would pose as his wife. So they'd be this husband and wife couple that were looking to buy, um, buy these uh, children. And, um, but he would do all sorts of things to con- coerce these women that were supposed to be posing as his wife. So like, cool, let's shower together. Let's do this. Let's do that. Um, and the, the tricky thing is one of my friends pointed out the other day, that if he was coercing them in going with him internationally on these raids for the purpose of conducting sexual activities with them, then he was trafficking the women that he was bringing mm-hmm. with him to save children from trafficking. Mm-hmm. It's all gross. It's all terrible. He's a bad, 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 bad person. And um, I... I just I don't even know what to say other than I feel kind of a little bit like I told a lot of people so because <laughs> I just have known this guy was bad news for a long time. And it's it's it, the whole thing with with this organization is awful. But seeing seeing the guy who started it and who has tried to build build a brand around it of like making himself this big hero while pretending that like, oh, I'm not the hero. These children are the heroes. And it, it really shouldn't surprise people that this is the kind of stuff that's coming out. Well, and that's that's the thing so often. And and here, here's the thing. There are a lot of people who do very good work in actually helping people who are being trafficked mm-hmm. and do a lot of important work. But often it isn't this big flashy thing of like, we're going to go in and we're going to save these kids, right? It's people working with law enforcement, people working with sting operations within the the purview of law enforcement, et cetera, to yeah. help kids who are being trafficked, to help, help kids who have been trafficked, and to also get the actual traffickers because stopping kids from being trafficked isn't just about rescuing the victims. It's also about actually capturing and prosecuting the traffickers. Right. Um, and, and if you don't work with the local governments, then you're missing that part big time. Yeah, exactly. So there's and the problem is when it comes to things like this, it's so it's depressing because then you're just like, well, who are the good guys? Right. And mm-hmm. and I think we do want to ima- we want to imagine that they're like these good guys who are like the cops aren't doing anything. So I'm going to go in and rescue people. It's a very romantic notion, um, but it's just not 
reality. And very often you look at that kind of thing and then you're like, what are you actually doing? Right. You know, what is your actual behavior? And, um, you know, are you really, are you really saving these, these kids or is there something else going on? And, um, you know, I, I think to me, and, and we've talked about it before, the louder someone is an ally. And I, I would say that like, just across the board, the more that someone like, like Ballard is an ally and is like, I am, I'm doing all of this great stuff the more I suspect them. Because very often the true allies, the true heroes are not the people who are standing out there shouting about what they're doing. Right. They're just doing the work. They're yeah. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things that has been so difficult about OUR is um, like he he really did figure out how to tap into this group of people who want to make a difference in the world, but either don't know how uh, or just can't all they have is their their money and their ability to like post things on social media to raise awareness that kind of thing and he's really tapped into that this this you know like these people who want to make a difference in the world who want to be involved who want to feel like they're helping and he's he's using that for his own mm-hmm. for his own good for his own you know advancement and that's where you get things like people saying, oh, you didn't see this movie. Why do you support human trafficking? It's like uh-huh. seeing a movie isn't going to fix this problem. But also I understand people going to see it because this is something that they feel like is important. It's 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 just really tricky. And he's very much a person that takes advantage of that. He, I mean, yeah. he worked in Homeland Security before he left and went and started this organization. And like, he knows a lot about human nature and about how to rile people up and how to win them over. And he's been doing that very well, very well, very successfully for, you know, seven, eight, nine years now. Mm-hmm. And, and now we're starting to see the the house of cards fall down my friend lives in salt lake city and she sent me a link last night and she said you know it's really bad when ksl is off is against you and ksl is a local affiliate up there for nbc that like they defend all kinds of stuff and so when they are against you like it's over (laughs) so hopefully (laughs) hopefully tim ballard is gonna go away and never be Mm -hmm. heard from again but yeah, I just I really felt like this was a story that needed to be addressed, especially because of the the news surrounding the movie itself over the summer. And um, so I just wanted to take a minute to talk about that. But yeah, I, I, I will also say that the FBI is currently investigating Operation Underground Railroad. Yeah. Uh, and and there's been accusations against the executive producer of Sound of Freedom. Um, Paul Hutchinson for groping a 16-year-old trafficking victim. Oh, that's awesome! During Jeez. a 2016 operation in Mexico. So, uh, and of course, he's denying he's denying it. But this oh, is part course. of an ongoing FBI investigation. Well, um, and one of the things that happens too with OUR, or at least has been happening. I don't know if they've even done any of their like save like raids or whatever lately. But one of the things that was going on was like Tim Ballard was creating a demand. Like he'd go in and place orders. And so these traffickers would go and like recruit kids off the street to bring to mm-hmm. an event that he was going to do that night. Like it's, just, oh, it's such a mess. But yeah, everybody around it. Like there's no people like that very, very, very rarely work in a vacuum. Like they yeah. are surrounded by people who 
um, engage in similar activities or protect the, you know, it's where there's one, there's usually more. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's distressing again. We'll, we'll link the, the vice article for people to look at again, you know, for somewhat triggering, depending upon not, nothing is particularly described in detail or, or anything like that, but still triggering, difficult, difficult to read as indeed so much of this, this shit has been. Yeah. And if you went and saw the Sound of Freedom movie this summer, I'm not judging you. Please, please don't think that I'm judging you. I just think that there's a lot that people don't know about what was really going on. I, I think that, you know, I mentioned earlier about propaganda there uh, before we started recording. And I'm not going to go into this issue of propaganda right now, but I do think that people need to think about the narrative that's being presented because and and that's this is true for all all films, really. What is the perspective that the film is taking? Who are the bad guys? Who are the good guys? And how does that actually re- relate to reality, right? And a lot of films that do fall more into propaganda tactics um, really do frame the story in a very particular way. And I'm not saying that that's necessary. I haven't seen Sound of Freedom, so I'm not even going to pretend that I know what the fuck is going on in that movie. Um, but it is something to really take note of and is, is really important about actually watching films from a very critical perspective, which is not saying that you can't like them. Um, or that you can't like support the perspective that they're taking, but you know, really consider who is making the film, why they're making it, and what is being being presented to you on the screen. Yeah. Um, because very rarely are the villains, you know, not villainous. And then you're kind of like, well, if you're not on the side of the good guys, then you must be on the side of the villains. Well, does does the world actually work like that? Yeah. Who well, are like the perfect, good guys? Yeah, like a perfect. Um fun example like not well i don't know if fun is the right word but like lighter hearted example of what you're talking about where it's not about like like good versus evil is the movie bohemian rhapsody <laughs> where yeah um where they have a very like the people involved in making that are the living members of queen who we're just like, oh yeah, it was all Freddie. It was all Freddie. We went home and we left the parties with the cocaine and let him do his thing. And we went home to our families every night. And it's like, why do you feel like that's the story that you need to tell? So it's like, who's telling it and why, why are they letting certain parts of the story be told? And what are they avoiding telling yeah. you about? Yeah. Particularly when you're talking about, and this is what sound of freedom is when you're talking about something that is based on real events is based on real organizations and real people who whose perspective is being taken who what is right. being shown and what isn't being shown what's missing mm-hmm. um what feels like and and i think bohemian rhapsody is a great thing it's just like i don't i don't that on that one i'm like i don't believe you <laughs> yeah <laughs> i do not believe that whereas something like we've talked about it before something like rocket man mm-hmm. um which feels again there are probably things that are being left out there i wouldn't say oh this is 100 percent like like non-filtered Elton John or whatever, but something like Rocketman feels realer because it's actually going like, here's all the ways that this dude fucked up. Yeah. And all of the things that he should have done or that he shouldn't have done, et cetera, without making him a villain, again, not making him a villain or anything like that, but actually showing the complexity of it. Mm -hmm. And, And it feels like a much more honest film than Bohemian Rhapsody does because there's like there's this like oh you know 
Yeah, we went home to our families while everyone was partying, just like you were rock stars in the 70s. Yeah. I do not believe you. And there's no way any of you were sober when you recorded Night at the Opera. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Anyways, Karen, transition us to our topic. Kids. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Christ. We're sorry, everybody. We are not trying to make light of what we were just no. talking about, but really, how do you how do you transition from that to talking about kindergarten movies? Yeah, this this was who are the good guys and who are the bad guys? I guess <laughs> like <laughs> um, uh, yes, this was a topic that we we decided on a, a while ago. This was a, a, b- before we were we realized that we were going to be talking about these stories, so we're we're not making light of this at it's all. It's unfortunate timing. It is a little funny, but it we're not making light of it. No. Um, so so to start with, we're actually only going to talk about two films this week um, because we honestly could not think of a third one that we wanted to discuss. Not that but, we work with this. Like there are some other options, but it just it would have really <laughs> brought the mood down. Yes. Uh, so the first one we want to talk about is Kindergarten Cop, uh, which if you've not seen Kindergarten Cop, I pity you. I don't know how you've managed to go this far without having seen Kindergarten Cop. It is a 1990 American action comedy starring um, Arnold Schwarzenegger as an undercover police detective who winds up having to become a kindergarten teacher in order to like find the estranged wife and son of one of his suspects who is like the worst human being ever. Um, Cullen Crisp played by wonderfully actually put with absolute psychosis uh played by richard tyson um it this this is a film that's directed by ivan reitman (laughs) which i you you'd forgotten about this karen i i only remembered because i watched kindergarten cop last year uh again this was on hulu and i was like ivan reitman um but it's i mean what are your thoughts on kindergarten cop this this film is on the one hand problematic and you kind of have to close one eye on certain parts, but it also is just so much fun. And it really showcases the fact that Schwarzenegger was a big star, but he was also very fucking charming on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, that's one of the qualities that helps lead to him being elected governor of California, you know, is because he does have this inherent charm and this ability to connect with people despite being this like giant scary looking dude because he's you know bodybuilder and all that and it's intimidating um but he has the softer side and i feel like kindergarten cop i was trying to think if there were earlier examples and there probably are that i'm just forgetting but it kind of created this little subgenre of these big action stars um in these movies with children so you have some with like dwayne johnson has done this vin diesel uh john cena so um you have you have mm-hmm. kind of this little subgenre of these movies where it seems like every every big um big athlete uh like wrestler bodybuilder whatever who wants to get into acting at some point early on they're gonna have to fairly early on they're gonna have to do one of these movies <laughs> to endear them to audiences so um and so kindergarten cop was was one of those for arnold schwarzenegger and i one thing that I wanted to actually point out that has nothing to do with the movie itself, but there were 
there was an Academy Award winner in this cast and two Academy Award nominees when the movie came out. And since then, two additional people in this movie have gone on to be nominated for multiple Academy Awards. And they are absolutely not the people I would have thought would have been there. Do you have any guesses who they were? Uh, well, I would I would guess that Pamela Reed and Linda Hunt have some kind of awards. So Linda Hunt had won an Oscar for supporting uh-huh. actress, I believe, in 82. And then Pamela Reed had been nominated as well as Kathy Moriarty. I was going to say Kathy them. Moriarty. Yeah. So they all three of them had come into this movie with history with the Oscars. But two other people, not them, uh, eventually went on to one for one for acting and one for not acting. Uh, Angela Bassett. Yes. Flight attendant. Yeah, Angela Bassett. <laughs> This is one of her first movies. And by the way, she was an Oscar nominee for Best Actress three years later. After playing a flight attendant in Kindergarten Cop, three years <laughs> later, she's nominated for Best Actress for What's Love Got to Do With It. So Crazy, the, right? Yeah. Who's the other one? Uh, that would be future Best Director nominee, Jason Reitman, who plays the makeout oh. kid in the... I was wondering if that was him, actually, yeah. because he's he's got this like brief moment where he walks by, and I was just like, "Is that Jason Reitman?" Um, <laughs> sure and I was, was trying to I was trying to do the math in terms of ages, and I was just like, "Yeah, I think it works out." Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you yep. go. Um, yeah. Well, to go back to your your initial point about like Schwarzenegger, I, I someone on Letterbox, and I I cannot remember who. If this was your review, I I apologize. Like I give you all the credit mentioned that one of the things that make this that makes this film work is um is that that softer side that Schwarzenegger is able to portray amazingly enough and we don't we don't think about Arnold Schwarzenegger as being like this great actor or anything he he has a limited range but he was he was very good at choosing roles that showcase the range that he does have and he does have a softness to him like you believe him as like, oh, he's like this tough cop with the shotgun and the beard and like the overcoat and everything. And he's this total asshole. He definitely plays into that kind of Terminator element, right? And then he's completely cowed and confused and horrified by these little tiny children who he can't yell at in the same way that he yells at criminals, right? <laughs> um, and... And doesn't know, like, and and the first step that he manages to take in actually relating to them is to bust out his ferret. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a bad way of putting that, but to bring uh <laughs> to to bring like his pet ferret in, and it's just like, oh look, look, a, an animal. You like animals, so you must like animals, your little tiny children. Mm-hmm. And to teach them about the ferret and you know, all of the thing, and like, oh no, don't worry, he's not gonna bite, like all of that stuff. And he And then as the film goes on, you know, and you see this character who really does begin to enjoy himself and to really care about these kids and like these kids and show that sort of softness that is underneath this this badass grizzled facade, as it were. And it works really, really well. Yeah, well, I think one of the things that that they did well, and I, I credit Ivan Reitman for this and also the screenwriters. I think one of the things that that made this transition work where he starts off like so overwhelmed and then gradually becomes uh, actually like really finds a way to connect with these kids and stuff is that uh, like 
a lot of us who don't hate children, uh, you know, a couple of them are fine, but you throw me in a room with 25 year olds and I'm going to be overwhelmed too. And so they really do a good job of like, just making you feel that chaos of like, oh my gosh, I want to scream. So then when he screams, shut up, it's like so relatable because it's like, yeah, these kids all need to shut up. <laughs> well, and it and also I like the fact that it doesn't work mm-hmm. because they all burst they into all tears. <laughs> yeah, because you can't scream that at a bunch right. of little children because they're they're like they're feral. Children are feral at that age. They don't they don't have a lot of self control. Right. Um, they they don't have a lot of social skills, like and not in the same way that slightly older children are going to have. And and I, I like throughout the film, like he is warned by multiple people, like you are going to have difficulty with these kids, just like, oh, they're five years old, whatever I deal with hardened criminals. And it's like, yes, but they're children mm-hmm. and they they don't behave logically all the time and they burst into tears for no reason and they say inappropriate things. Um, and if you turn your back on them for five seconds, they might burst into like insanity. Destroy everything. <laughs> and yeah. getting that back under control is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just just to tell a story about my my family. I recall uh, at one point my one of my friends, we were both very small. I had like a toy vacuum cleaner. And one of my friends just we were playing or whatever. And at some point he decided that he just wanted to toss the toy vacuum cleaner down the stairs. And my mother caught him and grabbed it. And and she and her immediate response was, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> and at a minute later, this is a woman who already had a child. She was at a minute later, she was like, I can't believe that I just told like a four-year-old child that something they're about to do does not make sense. Cause of course it doesn't make sense. They're four. Right. But I, you get that throughout this entire film of like, that does stop it. That does not make sense. Yeah. Exactly. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. This movie is just, it's fun. It's funny. It's, uh, but it's also, uh, there, there are some things that, I mean, I wouldn't even say they didn't age well because some things, some parts of it weren't even really great in 1990 either. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think one of the one of the big like, you know, this this it was it was acceptable in movies. It would have been unacceptable in real life. Like the you know, when he's chasing down the the girlfriend of of guy that witnessed the murder in the very Mm -hmm. beginning of the movie and he goes in he's like shooting up this apartment and stuff and it's like yeah for movie cops that was acceptable but uh in real life that was never okay (laughs) yeah it's it's definitely within that category of films like like die hard or even like dirty harry and stuff like that Mm -hmm. where there are things that cops do um that isn't isn't acceptable um that isn't legal (laughs) in any sense Right. And right. and it is it is that, you know, just like, well, whatever it takes to get the job done kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I do like is that where the film opens with that and it opens with him being so tough and he's just like, I'm just he's basically going to browbeat people into, um, you know, agreeing to testify. Et cetera. And it's the, the cause is good. We're going to put away this really dangerous criminal. Right. But it's not legal. It's not okay, And it's it's dangerous. But one of the things that does get revealed over the course of the film is him kind of beginning to pull back from that and to realize that he count that he 
by his re- interaction with these small children, he can't just browbeat people into doing what he wants them to do. Right. And that underneath all of that really is this drive for, I want to stop people from getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is, a, you know, in a, in a certain sense, it is definitely propaganda in, in another sense. It's a, it's in terms of the character, it's a very sweet revelation. Like I, I love the sequence where he finds out that this one boy is who he thought could have been the the son of this drug dealer is actually being abused. And that combination of like anger and sorrow to a certain degree of like realizing that this kid that he's been sort of targeting almost is in need of help, but in need of a very different kind of help than than what he was looking for. Right. Yeah. Um, and then he goes and he's just like, and it is very satisfying where he's like, you know, you hit the kid, I hit you. Uh, yeah. That is, there is something just very like, ah, oh, that's so satisfying. Yeah. Beat the shit out of this dude. And I love uh, that too. And he gets pulled into the principal's office and yeah. she's like, yeah, we can't be doing that. But also how did it feel? <laughs> well, and I, I like his reaction as well, where he realizes he can't do this mm-hmm. right that he is perfectly ready to beat the shit out of this dude yeah and he punches him and then is like i i i can't do this there are kids watch the kids are watching me the adults are watching me i can't set this kind of an example for these small we don't hit people right mm-hmm. and and he apologizes to the principal even before she begins you know talking to him like you can't do that um, he says, like, I'm sorry, I didn't know what else to do. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done this in front of the kids. There, There is like a character growth that's happening for it, for uh, mm-hmm. for Kimball, th- where he realized, like, I can't just beat people up to get what I want, um, right. even though I would really, really like to. Yeah. Because the kids look up to him and that's that's part of it. The kids are looking at him going like, you know, how do we behave in the world? And you don't want to be the person who's just like, oh, yeah, you just hit someone when you're mad. Yeah, it ends up being this this moment of like, oh, I have to set an example, like an actual yeah. real example. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on Pamela Reed? I love Thanks. Pamela Reed <laughs> in, this, in this. She is just she is such a a different kind of character like you don't expect to see this kind of character i love the fact that she spends the entire film eating Mm -hmm. um that the whole like she gets food poisoning or the flu or something she's sick for days um which is what winds up like pushing him into having to be the kindergarten teacher uh and and i i like she's a great foil i think for for schwarzenegger without like there's no there's a friendship between them. There's no like sexual tension. There's no like, um, you know, oh, she's she he's a better cop or she's a better cop or anything. They just have very different approaches. And she's hilarious. And she gets a she gets a lot to do for this kind of character. Yeah. Yeah. I I I, I like that. Um because she's supposed to be the the substitute kindergarten teacher, but then she gets sick. And I like that they didn't just like cut her out. Like, okay, well, she's not available now. So we're just going to focus on him. Like it's still, we still get a lot with her. We still get to see mm-hmm. them as partners, him learning to have a partner. And, um, and she, and she's just so funny too. Like the scene where they are at the restaurant um, and they run into the other teacher and the kid mm-hmm. that that 
the teacher that he has a crush on and she sees this immediately like she recognizes it before he does and uh (laughs) just jumps in and just like oh yeah and she does this like whole character thing and it's i i just i love that scene she's so great she she's what yeah she does she pretends to be his sister right um and does this like weird austrian accent she's like (laughs) doing a version of arnold schwarzenegger basically (laughs) um yeah it it really it just it very much exploits i think the the um the inherent humor of the situation and like like you said they could have just written her out and been like oh she's not a character anymore because the whole point was really to get her on schwarzenegger into a classroom with kindergartners right um but but they don't and they actually give her something to do they give her a role uh throughout the film and a fiance who is a chef (laughs) um i would be uh, so scared to be in a kitchen with him an accident (laughs) but it is it's one of those where you're just like yes they're perfect for each other like Mm -hmm. he just wants to eat and he just wants to cook exactly it's it's a match made in heaven (laughs) any any other thoughts this this is a surprisingly violent film yeah um like it it gets particularly the last the last sort of big shootout which again you know talking about how films have maybe not aged well you've got gunplay in the middle of a school Mm -hmm. um both cops and criminals and and uh you've all it also contains the revelation that throughout this entire thing schwarzenegger has been wearing a gun on his ankle while he's teaching five-year-olds so that's mm-hmm. a little distressing to watch uh i i do think that some of this is is honestly just not aging well because of of everything that has happened in the subsequent years but even in right. 1990 it feels there's a little bit of a i guess it's a willing suspension of disbelief where you're just like all right i'm gonna pretend that this is okay basically yeah like a, like sure the cop is armed okay <laughs> yeah but um yeah things things definitely have changed in the world as far yeah. as like that that stands out now as something not just that we dismiss but like oh that actually is concerning um yeah it it is surprisingly violent but also but also like not <laughs> like there's a lot of shooting mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of blood <laughs> i think I think what's more distressing is that so the the character of Colin Crisp, uh, played by Richard Tyson, who is absolutely psychotic, and and I give Richard yes. Tyson a great deal of credit for playing that to the hilt. Um, uh, I think that there's something just really terrifying about that. Who's so obsessed with getting his son back that he's going to like kill people that he's going to invade a a kindergarten that he's going to invade a school and light and it on fire <laughs> yeah it's it's just very like it isn't so much the gunplay itself it's it's there there's an intensity to the violence in in that sequence yeah. that is is disturbing and and it does kind of remind you this is not a kid's movie really it's Arnold schwarzenegger with a bunch of kids and it's, but it's not a kid's movie yeah yeah um yeah i don't really have anything else to add other than that i do still enjoy this movie all these years later and also shout out to the main place mall in santa Ana, which i recognized (laughs) immediately because it still looks like that (laughs) (laughs) 
So speaking of a movie that isn't a kid's movie, even though it features kids. Oh, very much not a kid's movie. Uh, Like more so even than Kindergarten Cop. Like, yeah. This one's rated R. (laughs) Yeah. I I do have to say, by the way, that I was not quite in kindergarten in 1990 when, when Kindergarten Cop came out, but I was in kindergarten the next year. So I am almost the same. I was almost the same age as those little kids. <laughs> Just to say that, that's 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 how I was born was. the same year as Jason Wright. And so I would have been the kid making out in the, <laughs> in the lounge. <laughs> I see. I, see. Uh, I would probably not have made out with Jason Wrightman, though. <laughs> so let's talk about Little Monsters. Um, yeah. Little Monsters is a 2019 film uh, that's kind of a hybrid of a whole bunch of things. It's a kids <laughs> movie. It's a zombie movie. It's a post-apocalyptic movie. It's a rom-com. Uh, it it is it like I say it is very much not a children's film. Like really, right from right from the beginning. Um, so it it tells the story of Dave, who is a sort of washed up musician who's broken up with his girlfriend but is really not happy about anything he is living with um his sister and her son and through a series of stupid decisions on his part he decides that he's going to accompany um his his nephew on a field trip because he has a crush on his nephew's kindergarten teacher played brilliantly by Lupita Nyong'o uh, and so they go on this this trip to I'm trying to remember the name of the place, the Pleasant Valley Petting Zoo. Yes. And, and of course, this is all taking place in Australia. So, you know, that already there are very few animals that you should be petting in Australia. Come Great. on. Yes. <laughs> Most of them will kill you. Uh, and and so this all culminates. They arrive at the petting zoo where they meet um, Teddy Mc, McGiggle. <laughs> McGiggles, <laughs> played by Josh Gad, who's like a children's show host that all of the little kids are obsessed with, um, and and is actually a, a terrible human being, as we discover. And basically, what happens is next door to the Pleasant Valley Petting Zoo is a testing facility for the U.S. Army, and something has happened where a whole bunch of people are getting turned into zombies. So the zombies invade the petting zoo and most of the the second hour of the film is basically about Dave and uh, and Carol, Miss Carolyn trying to save the kids, get the kids out and survive the incoming zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's a it's an odd film. I have very I actually have very mixed feelings about this film because I think some of it works really, really well, especially when we get to the zombies and kids. Yes. Um, but the first half hour is basically Dave fucking up his own life and working very hard to fuck up other people's lives. Mm -hmm. What, what are, what are your thoughts on this film, Karen? And I agree. So I actually saw this movie at Sundance back in 2019 and I loved it. Um, after about the first 20, 25 minutes, (laughs) like when it becomes like a movie of these kids at the petting zoo it's cute and then when it turns into a zombie movie it's great it's so funny it's it's um it's thrilling and lupita nyong'o is just the best and needs to be in more movies but um but yeah when when this opening this opening like setup all this build up to how dave ends up at this 
at this field trip in the first place was just so unnecessary. I really wish the movie had been about her. <laughs> like, if, I wish that she had been mm-hmm. the the main character uh, of the story because she's great. It's a fantastic character. I mean, she's got a ukulele and sings Taylor Swift songs and uh, wears a bright yellow dress and she's just sunny and light and, and so positive and warm and loves these children and takes her job of protecting them very, very seriously. And she through, you know, illness and stuff ends up with this idiot who just wants to hit on her the whole time. And he's, not an interesting character. I think uh, Alexander England does a good job playing the character, but the character himself sucks. <laughs> and I yeah. just wish that there had been less of a focus on him. Yeah, I watching it this time. And in fact, I remember seeing it for the first time and being like, why is why are, why is this guy here? Like, I thought that this was just Lupita Nyong'o and a bunch of kids. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, rewatching it this time, I think that because I was prepared for it, I was a little bit more interested in in the character. Um, but yeah, it, I had the same reaction. I'm just like, why aren't we just finding out about who Miss Carolyn is? And then, you know, you can introduce the Dave character partway through being like, oh, this guy who is like the fuck up. Um, Or even if you want to make it into more of a rom-com situation, kind of show both of them, show both Mm -hmm. of their lives, you know, what he's doing, what she's doing, et cetera, and then have them both come together to to go on this field trip. And then this turns into a zombie comedy. And in some ways, it's almost um, it's you can almost read it as misdirection, I guess, is that in the sense that it's set up like this rom-com where you've got this this dude who's a fuck up and this very competent woman and oh they're gonna fall in love and he's gonna grow etc and then it takes this left turn into zombies um but yeah the the fact is the most interesting part is miss carolyn and her kids and then the zombies Mm -hmm. so yeah it, it it has this lack of bounds but when we do actually get into the zombies it's loads of fun Oh yeah. It's, it's really fun. It's great. I, I actually, I know there's some mixed feelings about this, but I actually really liked Josh Gad's Teddy McGiggle character, who is just this absolute asshole who hates children and has just continued to do the job because he's just trying to sleep with their moms. Obviously I don't like that, but I think that he does a good job with it. And I think that this guy who ends up in this situation and basically just wants to like, just hide out until he can be rescued and just isn't willing to save these kids, but ultimately ends up needing to be saved too, before it goes <laughs> badly. For him. Uh, but you know, I, I just, I think that there's some, some really interesting things that they do with that character. And I think Josh Gad does a good job with it too. So, uh, so I actually liked that as well. I know some people found him, I mean, he is irritating. He's supposed to be irritating. Um, but I thought it was in a way that worked. Well, yeah, and I think you have to have um, those kinds of obstacles that aren't just the zombies, right? You have to have characters who are just going to be out for themselves Mm -hmm. and are not going to care about other people, that you need that that little addition of kind of human reaction. And it's always going to be the Americans. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Or Josh Gad. Or Josh Gad, yeah. But I also love, like, some of the little comments about uh, from the army people of like oh, the zombie outbreak again <laughs> i can't shoot children again <laughs> like geez what the fuck have you guys been doing 
It's uh, it's it's been a crazy, <laughs> crazy time. I also mm-hmm. like there's there's in the introduction kind of when the, the zombies begin breaking out, there's this whole conversation between two soldiers about, um, you know, oh, I mean, you know, it sucks to be in like this new place and I don't get to see anything. Did you know? And then there's this listing of like all of the things in Australia that can kill you. Right. <laughs> um, like all of the different animals and spiders and the jellyfish <laughs> and jellyfish. And like, you know, here are all of the. And I like that that kind of becomes the thing. It's just like, oh, and now the zombies. Now the, the zombies. Americans <laughs> brought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that there's the zombies in Australia. So that can kill it. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's a good little, you know, and it's true. I mean, you know. Sorry, Australians. Everything in your country can kill people. I don't like that seems to be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just it's just how it is. But we don't need to add to that problem. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I think one of the things that I really do just love and that make this movie what it is, it's Lupita Nyong'o and mm-hmm. her commitment to this role as this kindergarten teacher who there's a scene where she gives some backstory about how she ended up in that job in the first place. And it wasn't her intention. She didn't like go to school to become a teacher. She kind of fell into it and it turned out to be something that she loved. And because of her commitment and her warmth and her love of these children, that's ultimately what gets them through this, Mm -hmm. this really scary situation. And she manages to, you know, for a while, she manages to convince them this is a game. It's not anything to be scared of. And, and uh, she doesn't lose a single one. Well, and and it's that understanding of like, you need to not just like physically protect the children, but if emotionally yeah emotionally if they know too much they might lose it they might really endanger themselves because they're little kids it's Mm -hmm. tough enough for the adults who have some degree of self-control right right but little kids at that age they there isn't there's a very fine line between self-control and total meltdown yeah um and and i think the film actually both films that we're talking about balances that really well it shows these kids not just as being cute but as being like you know innocent and and also just just close enough to going feral at any moment and that's the that's where some of the tension lies Mm -hmm. yeah and i i like that she she there's even that scene i think it's with dave where she's saying like listen yeah we're scared but they need to feel like we know what we're doing like Mm -hmm. we're in charge and we've got them and we're gonna protect them so I also love the moment where she has to go get the insulin or the not insulin, um, the EpiPen for mm-hmm. the one kid. And she has to go out through a field of zombies and she comes back and her dress, her beautiful yellow dress is just covered in blood and goo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this woman is a bad the way she like falls out of the, the like jumps out of the ceiling. Like when she comes back into the building, like this woman is a badass. <laughs> I love her. Mm-hmm. She's the best. Yes. So t- generally, what do we think? What makes films like this work? So both of these films are actually very adult films. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're they're not for small children. They're not directed towards small children, but they both work and they don't work by being too cutesy or or uh may I, I guess treating these kids in a certain sense both like not i don't want to say like adults but like like fully autonomous human beings yeah right and but also recognizing that they need to be protected and kept safe 
even though they are they're sometimes dealing with very scary adult things and they need to understand who's on their side and who isn't Mm -hmm. yeah well and i think also too you get that you get to see those moments where kids can go from infuriating to adorable and back again and and how um how that can work within these these dangerous situations too Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I think that they do a good job with that because anybody who is around kids, even if you don't have children, um, anybody who's been around kids at all can, can relate to this. And it makes it a lot easier to watch. Like if a kid is too annoying all the time or too cute and adorable all the time, then it, it really makes the movie just not not work because it's not relatable. You have to have that yeah. that mix of both. Yeah. And, and all of the kids in, in both of these films are very funny and mm-hmm. they're like, they're good child actors. And I think yeah. you can, you can often spot when a kid is just not very good at, at that age. Um, and, and all of them. Yeah. It's, it's that, I think you're right. It's that balance between cuteness and incredibly annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's like, as a child, this person, that is what kids are to me. Like, they're just like, oh, aren't you adorable? <laughs> Fuck off. Like, you're, you're, now you're annoying me. Like, uh, yeah, go back to your mom. Like, you stopped being cute now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But they are, they're, they're illogical. <laughs> and they're, they, but they're also can be very penetrating and, and like intelligent. It's just like, I, I see what you're doing there, adult person. Like, what the fuck (laughs) yeah or even they'll just say things that they don't really fully understand what they're saying but it's so insightful and it can be really just like wow i've never thought about (laughs) it that way you know it's it's yeah the way that they look at the world is is Mm -hmm. a lot of fun usually i do like it in in kindergarten cop the one kid who keeps on standing up to say girls have (laughs) boys have a penis and girls have a vagina it's like (laughs) Good. Thank you. <laughs> Good to mm-hmm. know. <laughs> yep. Yep. There's always one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that kid in particular, part of the reason he keeps doing it is because every time he does, he gets a reaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, that's the kid whose dad is a gynecologist, I think. Right. <laughs> so he know he knows things. He's learned things. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So any final thoughts about, about these two films? Uh, just that they're they're both totally watchable and you should watch them yes Tubi, uh, but i think it's leaving at the end of the month yeah kindergarten cup is on Tubi. uh it will be gone in in nine days it that it is one of those films that shows up on a lot of different streaming it services does, yeah. so i have a feeling it will be in a different place <laughs> probably um, yeah little monsters and, is on hulu yes yes yeah. little monsters on, is on hulu so both of them very very available to watch and uh, and very entertaining films as well the last thing I want to say about Little Monsters is I love Josh Gad's line delivery. Frogsy didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> it cracks me up every time. <laughs> uh, well, I, I do have to say about that character and about the, the whole thing is that that's I there are definitely shows like that that exist. Oh, yeah. That are absolute catnip to children. And that are the most grating, terrible thing to adults. Mm-hmm. And like, I fully, I'm, I'm sorry to my parents who had to watch some of that shit with me. Um, ad nauseum. Right? Yeah. 
and and there there are shows that are just like that. Like I've I've seen some of some of my younger younger relatives where just like, what the fuck is this? Like why <laughs> why? Yeah. And I, I like to imagine that some of the people on those shows are also, you know, might be nursing <laughs> and drinking problems. <laughs> I, I I think that I think that there's like that fantasy for when when adults watch those shows, just like this is so annoying. I have to make something I have to like project some kind of terrible thing onto this just to make it bearable. <laughs> yep. It's true. <laughs> So I think that's going to close us out for this week. Yeah. Um, thank you all so much for listening. We are going to uh, be doing a bonus episode on a haunting in Venice. So definitely watch out for that. And that will be available to all of our lovely patrons who include Ali, Brian, Connor, Estefania, Heather, James, Judy, Karen, Cariata, Lauren, Matt, Michelle, Monty, Nanina, Robert, Robert, Steve, Sharon, and Tao. Thank you again so much for continuing to support us, guys. If you would like to join their number, we are on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash citizen dame. And you will get that bonus episode and also some fun little merch things. Um, and, and you'll also get to support us and keep us posted and, and continuing to talk about movies like this forever. <laughs> yes. Uh, we also have our Zazzle store, zazzle.com slash citizendamepod and a Ko-Fi account, ko-fi.com slash citizendame. Um, we are on the web at citizendamepod.com where you can also read other reviews and editorials and other fun things. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us, we have our email. That's citizendamepod at gmail.com. Uh, we are on various social medias, definitely moving rapidly off of Twitter because it is having a complete existential breakdown. Uh, but we are kind of still on there. That's at Citizen Dame Pod. And we are also on Instagram at Citizen Dame Pod. And you can follow us uh, on Blue Sky, Citizen Dame Pod at bluesky.social. That's definitely in terms of more of the social social medias. That is definitely the place to follow us now, as well as Instagram. And we have an HQ on Letterboxd at Citizen Dame. And you can find links to all of our articles, uh, lists of movies that we've been watching, um, and a, an ongoing ongoing list of all of the films that we talk about so that you can check those out and, and also leave us your thoughts on everything. So please do follow us on Letterboxd, especially if you've been used to getting stuff from us on Twitter. Just please start following those other socials because Twitter's terrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's getting worse. I'm sorry, XX, X Twitter, whatever the hell it's called now. <laughs> Shitter. You pronounce the X like a sh Twitter. <laughs> uh, and of course, you can get in touch with us individually. I am on all the various socials at LH Business. Karen, where are you? I am at Karen M. Peterson. And that will close us out for this week. Uh, we will be back next week talking about more high school movies uh, and easing into spooky season. Yay! Yeah, we're doing also, high school horror next week, right? Yes. Also, my birthday. Woo! Yay! Thank you so much for <laughs> listening. And we'll talk to y'all next time. Bye. Your kids are soft. You lack discipline. But I've got news for you. You are mine now. You belong to me. You're not gonna have your mommy's run behind you anymore and wipe your little douches.
Oh, no. It's time now to turn this mush into muscles. No more complaining. No more Mr. Kimbliff to go to the bathroom. Nothing. There is no bathroom. Now, the first thing the deputy trainees have to learn is to freeze whenever you hear this. Now, the next time you hear this whistle, each one of you get one toy. How many? One! Good, and bring it back to the carpet, pronto. Ready? Wait for it! <laughs> Wait for it. Sit down. Ready? Go, quickly. Get your toy. Go, go for it. Yes, very fast. Good, quickly. Bring the toy back. Bring the toy back to the carpet. Bring it back to the carpet. Quick, 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 quick. Back to the carpet. Quickly. Emma. Emma, take your toy back to the carpet. They get toy back to the carpet. Oh no, please, not princess. They get back. <laughs> <laughs>